Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and Santee Claus. This time around, special presenter, uh, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest that you know, that you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, in a very inauspicious development, here we have Drew Lockett in his first start of the season. And his trusty center, Lloyd Cushenberry, whom, you know, Lloyd was on the field for every snap last year when Drew was on the field. Have a pretty good experience together. I would assume a decent uh, a decent chemistry. Went on the CV list. Probably going to be Schlopman, Austin Schlopman at center. How big of a deal is this? How much should Broncos fans worry about it? I think I'm one of the few that thinks he's playing decently well considering how he played last year. I mean, anytime you break in a new center, it's always rough. And considering the center is the quarterback of the OL, he handles protection calls for Drew Locke. He did it last year. So it's going to be a transition, but... We have to hope that Mike Munchak's worth his salt and he can make Schlopman up for the task. I, they're going to have some sort of downturn because that Raiders defensive line is quite the matchup problem. If only with Crosby alone, I think they're going to create some pressure for Drew Locke and whatever happens from there happens from there. I think teams know by now you pressure Drew Locke, bad things can happen for the Broncos offense. So I don't think it's a good thing, but I don't think it's necessarily a horrible thing either, potentially. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because Tick Pick, that's T I C K. P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets. TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. What would be the better move in your estimation? Putting in Schlopman, who hasn't seen all that much action this year. I mean, he has played. They've had to call on him a little bit. But Schlopman at center. Or put in Natani Muti at right guard and kick Quinn Miners over to center. What do you think is the most expedient way to beat the Raiders? I mean, you have to measure who's which which rookie 
or which young player is is playing best right now. And I think leaving Miners where he is makes a lot of sense. He's getting acclimated at right guard, and he looks really good there. I would consider, it's too bad Graham Glasgow's not healthy to play center, but I would consider having someone like Natani Muti or someone else. I would leave Miners alone where he is, if only because he's thriving. Then you potentially create two problems. You wouldn't have an ideal center, and you might mess up your right guard chemistry as well. I agree. It's suboptimal either way, but keeping a, a young player like Miners, who's playing well, surprisingly well, for a guy who's not only a rookie, Zach, but a guy who's coming from Division three footy ball and did not play football at all in 2020. In fact, as he was up there in the uh, great white north, you know, knocking down trees and whatnot, he also taught himself, taught himself the center position. So the, that position, he got a lot of reps at it this summer. In fact, Zach, tr- in uh, training camp, basically all we saw from minors was that center for the most part. So he got some reps there, but I still think it's not enough to really say, hey, let's take you off what you're doing well when you've got a, at least a semi-seasoned vet like Schlotman that can step in. Yeah, I mean, it's why you have depth. It's why you have the guy leading the charge in Mike Munchak. It's just a problem because the Broncos' offense has been a whole. It's been a microcosm of their whole team. They've been so inconsistent, so we never know how any of them is going to play. Look at Garrett Bowles, a left tackle. Going back to Garrett Holds last week, we never really know on any given week, how they're going to perform. We have to just hope that Slope is up to the task and the loss of Cushenberry won't hurt the Broncos offense that much. Guys, it's almost Christmas. Are you guys stoked? Is everybody set up and ready to rock for Christmas? Got all your presents lined out. Dudes, did you take care of the misses? Right? Don't forget that. We have, this is, by the way, going to be the last Mile High Huddle podcast live stream of the week. All right, there's going to be no Dove Valley Deep Divers tomorrow night. There's going to be no Mile High Insiders Saturday night because it falls right on the holiday, right? Holidays, I should say. But Zach and I will be back, of course, Sunday for the gut reaction. Plus, there will be some Kelberman's corner action at the half of Broncos Raiders. So, you know, Zach, we pride ourselves on on seven nights a week streaming here, podcasts. No one else in our realm, none of our competitors even attempt that. I think it's okay to miss two days out of 365 when it falls on Christmas like this. I think the people out there even said, like, you know, the supporters of the show, they said, listen, take time to enjoy Christmas, enjoy the holidays, enjoy your family. We can survive without one podcast in a given week. And, you know, knowing it's a Saturday, not much is going on that day anyway. I think y'all will be fine. We'll come back with force on Sunday. With gusto, baby. Uh, Before we get into some cool content we're going to do some head-to-head comparisons tonight we're going to take a hard look at where these Raiders stand compared to the Broncos now almost with the season in the books I mean the sample size now is formidable we can actually draw some real conclusions before we get to that though just want to give y'all an update on where we stand with the contest on Facebook guys our goal of course is to reach 250,000 stars When we do, we're going to raffle off a Broncos jersey of the winner's choosing. And you can see here we're at 61%. So we're hovering, you know, we're still a little bit behind the eight ball, but I'm I'm confident we can hit it between now and uh, New Year's Eve. So the only people in the running, as you know, but a lot of new listeners each and every week and day to this podcast. uh, So they need to know this. The only people in the running for the jersey are those who contributed to the goal. And here's how we keep track of that. 
These are the names that are going to have the most tickets in the raffle hat for the jersey. Miguel at the very top, really cool to see. Followed by Michael Ronquillo at two, Travis Weber. So Michael, Zach, leapfrog Travis in the matter of one night. Travis Weber now at three, love you both. Lawrence Rivera at four, The Aviator, Shane Daniels at five, Doug Raquel at six, whoop, got to go like this. Andrew Baker at seven, Tim Hoffman eight, Stone Carranza, a relative newcomer, uh, shout out South Bay, South Bay hardcore, let's go. Uh, and then Pete Middleton at 10. So much love, you guys. You know what? And if we don't reach the goal this month, we don't reach the goal. We'll charge it to the game. But either way, we appreciate you guys. Those stars really do help support what we are doing here at MHH. All right, Zach, I know that uh, you've been working on an article. New Broncos trade proposal that has been unveiled for Aaron Rodgers. I want to pull up the article. But what can you tell people about this little uh, proposal? I can tell people it's not the three. Jeremiah, by the way, sorry, Jeremiah, appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, a lot of people are thinking it's going to be three first-round picks and a big uh, trade compensation package, but Pro Football Focus says it'll be a combination. Like we also talked about a few weeks ago, two first-rounders and two second-rounders this year and next year for Aaron Rodgers, taking on a one-year commitment. I think it's 23. Uh, Article's up right now, MHH.com. Taking on one-year commitment, he more than likely will want a contract extension that will make him... Um, one of, if not the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, but you know, for the 2022 season, that's what pro football focus thinks would be most realistic. As you can see there to land a rod. I'm just going to go ahead and quote here in this universe, big bang by analyst, Brad Spielberger, the Broncos would surrender four draft picks, 2022 first and second rounders and a 2023 first and second rounder while inheriting a one-year, $27 million financial commitment for Rodgers' services. So, if indeed, Zach, it comes down to a couple of ones and a couple of twos to get Aaron Rodgers in the fold, knowing the depredations that uh, this team has suffered in uh, the post-Super Bowl 50, is that a deal that you would make? And even if you wouldn't make it, is that a deal you think George Payton would make if given the opportunity? that's what kind of gives me pause. It's like, that's a lot to give up for a 39 year old quarterback. It's a lot of money, a lot of draft picks. And they even speculated pro football focused in throwing in a player like a Draymond Jones or a Noah Fant, Jerry Judy. It's giving up a little much. It's, it's closing in on giving up the farm for a 39 year old quarterback. It's not Russell Wilson at 33. It's not Deshaun Watson at 27. That's the difference. But considering how he's playing, maybe back-to-back NFL MVPs, he's still playing at a very high level. And as the guy in in the article says from PFF, there is no team in the NFL more a quarterback away than the Denver Broncos. And if you put this year's A-Rod on the Broncos with that offense and that defense, they make a lot more noise than they're making right now. Plus, you know, Rodgers kind of strikes me as a guy. And by the way, real quick, George, thank you, buddy. He says, I'm glad to hear that you're going to take time for your families for the next couple of days. Thanks for all of MHH pod family from all of us who can't. Uh, thanks from Southwest Florida. That's right, baby. Hashtag state of being. I'm going to throw that in there for you. Um, for for Rogers, Zach, I, I kind of feel like the, the precedent that Peyton Manning sent, and you could maybe even give it to uh, Kurt Warner, even though he fell shy of that second Super Bowl ring with the Cardinals, but just barely. But still, the precedent that's been set, now, Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, Peyton Manning, Hall of Famer, Tom Brady, Hall of Famer, of a quarterback playing his entire career with one team, succeeding, having a lot of uh, Pro Bowls, All Pros, MVPs, World Championship, at least one anyway, in the case of Aaron Rodgers. 
being able to say, Yo, you know what, it's not the environment, it's me. Let me go show you. I'm going to go to a different city, bring home the bacon. Makes me wonder from an ego perspective how much such a uh, keeping up with the Joneses type of mindset might influence Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, I will be surprised if Aaron Rodgers ultimately still, if he leaves Green Bay. Well, I mean, let's say he wins the Super Bowl this year. No one's talking about that. Legit possibility they're playing really good football. Would he walk away at that point? I don't know. You'd have to wonder that. Going out on top, not risking his legacy. You can argue that, I know Brady won one already, but there was a lot of people who said he tarnished his legacy by joining the Bucks and leaving the Patriots. So we don't really know too much about Rodgers. I think he's more of a private, uh, introspective person. A little more is coming out about his political beliefs and his vac status, but... Um, football wise, I think he has a couple more seasons left in him, but his motivation and his motives, I think are TBD. By the way, Vic Fangio, uh, after basically guaranteeing that no, 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 Justin Simmons, he's going to be in the pro bowl. Uh, very disappointed that no Broncos voted to 2022 pro bowl. Here was his actual direct response today. Zach quote. Yes, I was disappointed. Very, very surprised and disappointed. I think Justin Simmons, I think I told you guys yesterday, it was a no-brainer. He made it last year, and he's playing even better this year. I don't, I'm not sure I would agree with that, but Vic goes on. I think Patrick Sertan was more than worthy of it, and our two running backs. We did have five guys make the alternate list, but I was very, very surprised. Close quote. Zach, according to uh, the intrepid reporting of Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post, not only is uh, Simmons, Garrett Bowles, and Patrick Sertan listed as first alternates, but there's three more, all right? And it's a little bit of a head-scratcher to me here, Zach. Bradley Chubb as a third, and I get it, it's a third. The odds of him playing, making the Pro Bowl are slim to none. But even to be mentioned, third alternate, Bradley Chubb, who has done nothing, missed half the season and has really done nothing. Javante Williams listed as an alternate at sixth, really cool to see. And then Kareem Jackson as is his, you know, his plight in the NFL. He's always an alternate, never quite gets in. I don't think personally Justin Simmons is is the best safety in the NFL. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter beat their chest about how Simmons was the biggest snub. I think he's a top five safety. I wouldn't say he's the best safety in the NFL. So it's, it's Vic Fangio going to bat for one of his guys, one of his guys who got better under Vic Fangio's watch, by the way, and kind of blossomed into a star. So there's ego there involved. Um, I think it was from a, a name recognition standpoint, a performance standpoint, and from a winning standpoint, I think the voters got it right. Simmons is up there. I think he needs a little more playmaking ability uh, on a weekly basis. He takes some bad angles at times. He's been beaten in coverage uh, a f more than a few times this year, so I can see why he was left off. In my opinion, and Andrew, by the way, Merry Christmas to you as well. He says, regardless of our view this year, uh, regardless of our view of this year or team, the future should be bright. Hashtag MHH. Appreciate you, brother. Really do. Um, on the subject, and Merry Christmas to you and your great little family. We kind of got to meet at the at the meet and greet. Colin Wood says, no pro bowlers puts us in with good company. Jets, Jags, Texans, Lions, Giants. Yeesh. Yeesh, Zach. Um, that was such a blow that I almost lost my train of thought here on Justin Simmons, but I did not. He was much better last year, much better. You got to remember, Justin, you're right. You're not seeing those consistent flash plays. He's made some this year. Don't get me wrong. He's got five picks, leads the team, tied for fourth in the NFL currently. 
but he started off slow this year, dude. Like it took him a quarter of the season to really get his footing. And then he kind of had a, a stretch there where his, he, he was making some splash plays kind of in bunches and then only to kind of fizzle out again. So, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If you're not on the on the Sunday night highlight reel on on Sports Center each and every week, to one degree or another, relatively speaking, good luck. Exactly, he's not, and for the reasons, not just because the Broncos aren't winning, it's because he's not making those plays. Again, he's up there. I think he's being paid a little more money than he gives back to the Broncos and playmaking ability, but he deserves to be top five. I wouldn't say number one, and obviously the voters don't agree with top three either. All right, let's see what's on the mind of the Aviator. What's up, Shane? Appreciate you, my dog. The Pro Bowl snubs just go to show that the voting process is flawed. How is Matt Stafford and Justin Simmons not on it? Also excited and nervous to see what Locke can do this week. Hashtag make them regret. I dig that, buddy. Yeah, it's kind of a surprise. Like Matthew Stafford, if I remember right, Zach, he's never made the Pro Bowl, right? Uh, when we were looking at him last week. He- he had to. That's that's crazy. Pretty I know sure. he was a snub, but all one those year. Calvin Johnson years, yeah. My bad. 2014, one Pro Bowl. So he's just kind of a guy that even though now, Zach, he's on a winning ball club that's a force to be reckoned with, that juice isn't really helping him because he's one of those kind of, I don't know if it's the name, I don't know if it's just the kind of being buried in Detroit obscurity for all those years, but He's just not a guy people think of. I think if he goes out there and has some success in the playoffs, even if they don't win the Super Bowl, he has some success in the playoffs and comes back and produces another similar season next year, he'll probably – that'd be enough to kind of – I don't know. It's it's a phenomenon of, I think, for the coaches and players. Sometimes even if a guy's deserving, Zach, if they are kind of a newcomer to the you're one of the best in the league brotherhood type thing, some of those guys are like, you know what? All things being equal, Stafford deserves my Pro Bowl vote, but I'm not going to give it to him this year. I'm going to give it to Tom Brady, whatever, because you know you got to do it more than just like this year. There's you need a body of work. There's as far as the coaches and players, I think that's very very true. Fans, it's about Sports Center. It's about Sports Center, baby. Who's who's getting highlighted on Sports Center? What are the stats this year? Where does the guy fall on the you know the quarterback rankings, etc. Exactly. And, you know, look at what Tom Brady's doing. He's putting up, at least the team, it's all about wins. And I, I think uh, the Bucks have a better record than the Rams right now, don't they? So it, it, that goes along with it. Um, it's surprising Stafford's only made one Pro Bowl, but I think you're right. They want to see him do, do it more than just one more year, be consistent. And I think if he does it next year, he'll make it. But talking about Broncos snubs, I think Sertan has a bigger case to make than, than Justin Simmons. For a rookie, what he's done this year, locking down opponents in coverage, I think that's had more of a positive impact on the Broncos' defense as a whole than Simmons. Must def. I don't know, man. As we mentioned last night, going through the Pro Bowl roster, all right, the guys who actually are for sure in, all three of Denver's first alternates have a really good chance of actually ending up playing in the Pro Bowl. Now that's going to be somewhat contingent on whether or not whether or not the game actually gets played, because the way momentum is kind of swinging relative to, you know, the the virus and the pandemic and whatnot. Zach, it wouldn't surprise me to see them cancel the Pro Bowl, but if they don't, if they don't, there's multiple guys uh, at each one of those positions that you can either safely assume or safely 
you could bet on playing in the Super Bowl and or have been there enough to say, you know what? Oh, I stubbed my toe getting out of bed today. Can't make the Pro Bowl. Thanks for the accolade on the old NFL resume. And what's up, Michael? Good to see you, buddy. Merry Christmas. Appreciate you, Michael. Let's take a look at these teams, huh? Let's uh, maybe tonight we'll kind of keep. All right, we got the Duchess. Maybe tonight we'll kind of make it, uh, you know, short version of the Huddle Up podcast, but not without first showing some major love and props to the Duchess here. Michaela, one of the first faces etched in MHH Mount Rushmore. Right now, Michaela's with us. She says, Unleash the wide receivers. I hope it'll be a fun game. I can't say the games this year been entertaining have a blessed christmas love you and your families same here trust on that we love you give our best to your families uh to your family michaela and that goes to all of you as well but this is something zach as i was writing up the fangio response to pro bowl snub article it's it's one thing we talked about a little bit last night but when you're a losing ball club it's not conducive to individual performances garnering accolades it's just it's pretty rare i mean in that sense, the Broncos are kind of lucky that they've had any pro bowlers the last few years, if we're being honest. But then you add to that. You go, well, wait a minute now. Broncos aren't a losing team this year. You know, they've either been at 500 or above 500 for the majority of the season, and that's true. But being boring is almost as bad as being a losing team when it comes to garnering the kind of attention that it takes to, to get those accolades in the in the voting. Just it is what it is. There are some bad teams that are fun to watch, but when you're 500 and you're boring, uh, no one really cares about you one way or the other. It's literally the definition of being meh. And how many times do you see the Broncos on SportsCenter? How many times do you see the Broncos on SC Top 10? Unfortunately, and I don't say this in, in to cast any sort of positive light on it, I saw the Broncos creep up more in the mainstream news cycle for DT's passing than I have for football-related matters in the last couple years at least. No one really yep. cares about them. That's the honest, brutal truth about the current Broncos. And that's what George Payton wants to dig them out of. He wants to put them back on the map of relevancy because they're irrelevant right now. And when you're in a relevant franchise, even if you're a good player on that franchise, ain't no one care. Opethian, one of our great community members, always hot in the, in the comment section of all of our videos, on Twitter, in the live chat. Appreciate you, my friend says, uh, Fangio is one of the most hyperbolic head coaches I've ever come across here in Denver. I'm ready to flush this toilet down the drain. You'd have to give me a specifics on that, my friend. Like, what, what exactly? Are you talking about him saying this is he was even better Simmons this year than last year? Maybe that's what you're talking about. But there are times, yes, he has been hyperbolic. No doubt about it. He is uh, a little bit of an odd duck, Zach. A little bit, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a strange uh, egg for sure. All right, let's uh, – oh, by the way, Michael, dude, thank you for the stars, my friend. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas down there in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being, baby. It's wherever you are. Michael, he's in Tucson, Arizona. So have a have a Merry Christmas. Give our best to your family. Uh, Zach, let's take a peek at these head-to-heads, shall we? Uh, let's see where the Broncos stand. And it's still just – I hate seeing this. All-time Broncos – let me blow this up. Broncos only 53 and 67 and two all-time record against the Raiders. 25 and 36 on the road. All right. Even worse. Um, not good. Not good. 
let's let's take a look at these head-to-heads now if you're new to to the huddle up podcast here the green signifies now these are the same uh little pre-game capsules that broncos public relations department the 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 unit run by the patrick Smythe, who does a great job this is the same thing like if zach and i were calling the game on cbs these are the same capsules they get all the information that you see them running on the screen and cool little statistical uh, anomalies and distinctions and records that are coming up and this and that this is where it comes from this particular head-to-head though if it's green it signifies a top 10 ranking and of course red signifies bottom 10 the broncos now zach are literally dead smack middle of the road at a zero turnover margin. So it could be worse. They could be minus in the turnover differential, but last week going into the game, they were plus one. So I think they were just outside or maybe right inside the top 10. Now they're middle of the pack. Meanwhile, the Raiders are minus four. What that means gang, they've given the ball away four times more than they've taken it. All right. So they're bottom third time of possession. The Broncos have still found a way fought Claude by virtue of that the great performance they've gotten from Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams this year in time of possession still top 10 Zach 31 minutes 41 seconds on average meanwhile look at these Raiders they're one of the worst in the league bottom third in trying to hold on to the ball and stay on the field that bodes well for your Denver Broncos if they can play to their strengths and capitalize but Zach here's where things start getting a little skiwampus the Raiders still are despite all their obstacles despite all their foibles, a top 10 offense. Net yards per game, they're ranked 10th. Net yards per play, they're ranked 5th. Points per game, they're struggling to close, right? They're struggling to get those points. They're 18th. Rushing, They how come this team can't rush the ball, dude? Seriously. They've got talent in the backfield. What is going on? Coaching, you know, it goes both ways. I, I was a big fan of at least some of his concepts, John Gruden on offense. I, I like what they've done with Derek Carr, but I think they take to the air too often to overcompensate when they had Henry Ruggs around to feed Darren Waller. They have some young receivers. Even Josh Jacobs gets passes out of the backfield. So I think they don't stick to what works for them, just like the Broncos uh, do sometimes. Jacobs with only 548 rushing yards. How much time has he missed? You. These are things that, you tend to be more on top of because I think you're playing fantasy and that helps know that. Uh, Jacobs, has he been banged up this year quite a bit? I don't want to talk about fantasy this year. It's, uh-oh, it's too, soon. Uh-oh. Uh, too soon for that. Um, yeah, he's missed a few games. I don't know exactly how much time he's missed. I know he's been banged up and I'm not sure if he was on IR, but I know he's missed some time for sure. Dude, look at this. As de- as defined by uh, Vic Fangio, Hunter Renfro is a quote-unquote super slot. He leads the team in receiving yards. He's going to get a thousand yards from the slot this year, Zach. That's that's interesting. All right, back to the to the head to head. Can I ask you a question though? How does Hunter Renfro has have nine hundred yards, but your two big Broncos receivers you just paid? Not one of them is within almost three hundred yards of Hunter Renfro. Uh, you know, it's it's really really pathetic when you break it down that way. They're, they they sign these receivers, they develop them, and they're not using them. It's a Ferrari. They bought two of them that are parked in the garage gathering dust. Yes, indeed. Um, did Waller get a Pro Bowl, by the way? I don't. He's been hurt. I know Kelsey got one. Um, I don't know. I'm going I'm to have to go back and look at that. Anyway, all right. Um, we come back to the head-to-head. But, yes, you're right on that. It's, I mean, little things like this just hammer home how bad. I mean, people clown on Derek Carr, but 
imagine what numbers Sutton and Patrick and even Fant for that matter, and Jerry Judy might have if you had a guy like Carr who's got a plus 70% completion percentage, moves the ball, isn't afraid to throw deep. Arguably one of the most accurate deep deep passers in the NFL. Uh, all right, we come back here. The Raiders are second in passing per game. That is noteworthy, all right? Broncos are 19th, but in the rushing, at least act the Broncos are top 10. This is like the only thing they've had to hang their hat on offensively. Um, been picked off a lot, though, all right? The the Raiders, or I guess, no, not a lot. I'm, I'm misreading this. Only 10 picks, that's tied for 10th fewest. Broncos, only nine picks, tied for eighth fewest. All right, fumbles lost, they're the same at seven. Giveaways, the Broncos have 16 total, which barely keeps them in the top 10. You want to know why Vic Fangio has such a uh, smile? I was almost going to say something not family-friendly. For Teddy, this is why. he they, they just haven't turned the ball over very much. They don't take any shots. They don't take any – everything else on this freaking board that you see here, gang, suffers as a result of this. But this is what really the allure for Fangio from the very beginning. This is what it was all about for Teddy. How's it working out for him, though? I mean, I'm not even talking about the fact that Teddy's missing time now. It hasn't really led you to more success than if you would have played Drew Locke. Maybe one more victory, but there's safe and there's being too safe where it hurts your offense. And Vic Fangio playing for a field goal, Chad, you can have any quarterback and do that, you know? So I don't see Teddy as being as this monster upgrade on what they could have had. And I don't think Vic Fangio looks like a hero in comparison for picking him. Sacks allowed, man, this Bronco offensive line has just not been able to gel this year. They are ranked 24th, bottom third in the league with 36 sacks relinquished. The Raiders, right, but barely right in front of them. They've allowed 33, which ranks 19th. Here's where uh, both offenses really struggle. On third down, the Broncos are ranked 16th. All right, the Raiders, only one team worse than Derek Carr's offense. On third down, they're ranked 31st, converting just 34% of their third down tries. And then in the red zone, the Broncos are modestly better than the Raiders at converting uh, into touchdowns. Ranked 21st, Raiders only three teams, uh, two teams, pardon, or three, worse than the Raiders at 29. So, Zach, a couple of not so good offenses. Like you look at a couple of these things for the Raiders and you go, okay, wait a minute. But then you get down here and you're like, all right, we see what this is. They're playing a lot from behind, right? So they, you get the passing yardage cranked up. Derek Carr has always been stingy with giving the ball away. Um, that really explains their green. But the, the death nail for them is here. And the same goes for the Broncos. They're just a boring, stagnant. If you can shut down Denver's run, you stop the offense. But that was with Teddy. It'll be interesting to see how and if any of this, these dynamics, Zach, shift with Drew Locke starting this week. It's just surprising to see 31st and 29th there. I would have never guessed they ranked in those respective categories considering their offense. And the Broncos are at least on third down. They cut that in half almost. So that's pretty impressive uh, in that right. But it is two boring offenses. And I, I laugh at that comment that says even the stats are boring when viewing the Broncos. <laughs> and going back to our previous conversation, when even your stats are boring, how do you expect any player to get Pro Bowl recognition over other players who don't have that problem? Let's say some quick hellos to some star supporters. Colby, appreciate you, buddy. He says, Merry Christmas. Go Broncos. Only a few games left. Hope a few of them are at least exciting. Beat the Raiders or the Chiefs. That's my Christmas wish. Don't forget the Chargers, big dog. 
Uh, Gary Leeds Palmer, GLP. Merry Christmas to MHH, he says, and Broncos fans. Love you guys. We love you too. Hope you're on the mend. Hope everything's going well for you, my friend. Lando, don't call me Calrissian. Or maybe, Lando, call me Calrissian Lee in the hizzy. Appreciate the star support, my friend. You demand. Um, let's look at the defense, shall we? All right. Things start looking up a little here for your Denver Broncos. They're the fourth-ranked defense in yards per game. They are the second-ranked defense in points per game. Still only allowing 17.4. Uh, but then you come back up here and points per game for the Broncos. We didn't even touch on this. 20. All right. So this is why this is a hovering at 500 ball club. Uh, rushing yards per game. The Broncos defense is ranked 10th. Very hard to run on the Broncos. And you know what, Zach? I want to take a second and give the, the Broncos some props for this. Because, first of all, you had injury issues to Mike Purcell early on in the season. Shelby Harris not really playing very well since getting paid. Injuries for the season to both your day one starting off-ball linebackers. You suffered through a brutal learning curve that the team ultimately pulled the plug on at uh, linebacker in terms of Justin Sternod. Then about halfway through the season, you find that Baron Browning is a stud, and that kind of coincides with being able to land Kenny Young. And now you've got the emergence of Jonas Griffith. I think that's one thing you can tip your cap to the Broncos for overcoming all those different obstacles to still be a team that is so hard to run on. Well, it helps to play the Jaguars, the Jets, helps to play teams like Washington and Philadelphia, you know, the, the, the crappier teams in the NFL, not taking anything away. I think Vic Fangio, again, I've always admitted he's a, a pretty to really good coach, defensive coach. I wouldn't say a mastermind, but he's done a lot. Uh, he's had the talent, too, so I think that goes unnoticed with George Payton as well, stocking the cupboard, using his first-round draft pick, not on a quarterback, but on a cornerback for Vic Fangio, and he's made the most of it. Not easy to overcome the linebacker losses, but A.J. and Josie Jewell, no one likes hearing this. They're the same player. They're really good against the run. They're good team guys to have. They're good defensive captains they have they wear the dot on their helmet but they don't do anything for you sideline to sideline that's what baron browning has brought to the table that's what kenny young has brought to the table even jonas Grif griffith speedier more athletic younger higher upside inside linebackers that's the way to go and it's unfortunate they lost two guys in the process but they backed into better players along the way as well passing defense the broncos are even better as far as how they're ranked fifth in the nfl only four teams stingier against the pass than the Broncos. And then let's take a look at where the Raiders stand. So they're three, they're 21st in net yards per game. They are 20 or pardon 31st in points per game. They're allowing 28 per game, basically rushing their 26th defense net passing their middle of the pack ranked 13th. So if they have a strength Zach defensively, it would appear it is their passing defense. Then you get to interceptions. I mean, we think the Broncos have struggled getting picks. When you have Justin Simmons and PS2 accounting for nine of this team's 12 total picks, the Raiders only have five all year long. Four fumble recoveries for the Broncos. That's bad. Puts them very bottom of the league. Raiders, though, have eight. Puts them in the top ten. And then we get to the key statistics. Takeaways. Broncos tied at 19th with only 16 Raiders though, even worse, 13 total takeaways puts them at 26th in the league sacks. The Broncos are middle of the pack 33 on the season uh, tied for 13th 
the Raiders, despite having some pretty formidable edge rushers, maybe Zach, it's just that guys uh, like Max Crosby, they just have their best games against the Broncos. I don't know. But for the edge talent that this team seems to have to only have 29 sacks on the season and be one of the worst teams in the league on getting to the quarterback, that's noteworthy. So is the Broncos only ranking tied for 19th in takeaways. And I hate to always bring them up, but what the Cowboys are doing is on a historic pace, taking the ball away right now, interceptions and forced fumbles. I want the Broncos to do the same thing, and that's why if they made those plays, players like Simmons and Patrick Sertan would be getting that Pro Bowl recognition. So it is surpri- it's not surprising to me anything with the Raiders' defense. That, that team has always been carried by its offense, as long as I can remember the last 20 years. For the Broncos to be ranked 23rd on third downs, 29 fumble recoveries, 19th in takeaways, 13th in sacks, 13th in interceptions, all out of the top 10. We praise them for their top 10 stats, but never talk about the, the bottom, you know, the bottom 20 stats like we're seeing right there. That's also noteworthy. That's right, guys. Uh, ranked 23rd on third down. And in the red zone, though, that's once again, if they have a saving grace this year, they've bent but they don't break. Even against the Chiefs, Ben don't break. Uh, the Chargers, Ben don't break. They've been kind of beaten down a couple of times where they have broken, but for the most part, they've been a Ben don't break, ranked eighth in the red zone. Meanwhile, the Raiders, man, if you get uh, to third down, you're probably moving the ball against the Raiders. Uh, red zone, same thing. You get the ball inside the 20, you're probably punching it in there. Literally the worst red zone defense in the NFL. All right, so – with that, we conclude the head-to-head. We could look at special teams, but me, nah. right? Who, who cares? It's um, so anything in particular, and then we'll kind of wind this down, Zach, and, and keep this pretty short tonight, but anything that we haven't touched on that comes to mind, insights, takeaways uh, relative to Broncos Raiders from what we just saw? Well, I hope Broncos country, even if they win this game, and as much as a sect of the fan base does not want to root for the Broncos to win, if only because of Drew Locke is playing quarterback, just keep in mind the trend of the Broncos this year. You know, coming off a loss, what do they typically do against a lesser opponent? They win. What do they do after that against a more quality opponent? They lose. I don't know how anyone individually feels about this season. You might want the Broncos to make the playoffs. You might want the Broncos to lose out for a coaching change and a better draft pick. But just don't get sucked into what they've shown you to be all year, all season long. I think they are pretenders this year, and they are pretenders in large part of the coaching staff. So if they lose this game, I don't think it's the end of the world. Not advocating for it, Chad. I know I'm trying to walk that tightrope right now, and it's hard Mm -hmm. to do, but I just want Broncos country not to get uh, suckered into the mirage and factor in the long-term plans of the team as well. That's where we find ourselves. Michael says, and this is a good point. I want to ask you about this. He says, this is Drew Locke's last chance to show the Broncos and other NFL teams that he can be a quarterback in the league. Thoughts? Zach, there was, uh, who was it? Ian Rappaport earlier this week on an appearance on uh, the uh, Pat McAfee show. Basically, he didn't say it exactly like that, but intimated like this is, this is Drew Locke's career Super Bowl, right? Like you gotta you gotta make hay in this game. And you know, the Broncos have three straight losses to the Raiders. They were swept last year, and then of course they lost in embarrassing fashion earlier this year. That ain't good because for most of this post-Super Bowl 50 stretch, they would split with the Raiders. It wasn't until last year that that teeter-tottered. 
And now they're on a three-game slide to the Raiders. So Drew Locke, who's one and two all-time against the Raiders, has a chance to end that and then also, you know, show that, hey, don't forget about me. You know, I might not get enough rope when it's all said and done this year to, like, really prove anything absolutely, but he can do a lot to help himself, probably not with the Broncos, but with the league in general by playing well this week, getting a win, even if it's not, you know, Carolina Panthers, 280 yards, four touchdowns, or you know, 380 yards in Houston, three tutties, even if it's not one of those performances, but you get the win. That's what Drew needs more than anything right now is bring home a W. I mean, yeah, you can make the case. This is the biggest start of Drew Locke's career, but I don't agree. It's his last chance to prove himself. I think regardless uh, if or when he departs Denver next offseason, if they trade him, cut him, whatever, he's going to get snatched up by a needy team, and he's going to get one more shot, maybe as a backup at first, but I think it, it won't be his last start in the NFL, no matter how it goes against the Raiders on Sunday. But it's a good audition for what's to come in his future. It, could he be a starting caliber quarterback? Is he destined to be a backup? Will he fall out of the NFL? You know, these, these questions answered on the next episode, and the ne- next episode is Sunday. Michael throwing down more stars, too. Thank you, buddy. Well, you know what? We got the Mile High Roundtable article coming out tomorrow about lunchtime. You can look for that. Uh, Appreciate you, Mike. Um, Where we'll have our official predictions. Um, You know, this is a game. The Broncos have been been tough to predict uh, all year long, multiple years in a row, to be honest with you. Last week, you and I, despite all the stakes, knowing that, you know, they had to keep their, their playoff hopes alive, a win, and they can really stay in the driver's seat of, for the playoffs. Neither one of us picked the Broncos in the roundtable to win. We both predicted losses. You don't necessarily have to give me a score, but how are you feeling about this one, Drew getting his first start? Um, I, I'm always fighting my my heart and what my brain is telling me. You know, my brain is telling me, they're going to lose. They're kind of in a downturn. The Raiders beat them the first time. They beat them last year. They can beat them again. It's it's on the road. My heart is telling me, listen, Drew Locke should be motivated. He has plenty of offensive weapons. They should want to break out as well. And they're due. I think it's just um, it's it's about time right now. They're One of them is due for a breakout game. Be it Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Tim Patrick. I think that could happen. Noah Fan even. It started to happen last week. The defense could force some turnovers on Derek Carr. They can win this game, but I say it every week. Just because they can doesn't mean they will. Ah, I don't know, man. Gun to my head right now. Just because it's the Broncos and there's always going to be some quarterback storyline down at the very end of the Vic Fangio era, I'm going to say the Broncos win this game. Won't be pretty, won't be easy. I think they come out with a dub. I literally echo everything you just said, um, including a cautious prediction for a win. Now, I might sleep on it and end up before it's all said and done in the written article changing my mind, but I'm predicting a win. And the only thing that gives me any pause on that, Zach, is Drew Locke has been pretty disappointing this year, especially after the strides we saw him make in in the summer and in preseason. Like, it's been really disappointing, but you don't know what to believe in terms of you know, where to take – at what source to, to grab your takeaway. Is it because he doesn't get first-team reps, or is it because he really has regressed? We'll get the answer. I'm hedging on this week of practice with the ones is going to be a difference maker for him, and I think we'll see an overall better version of Drew this week, uh, which is why I'm cautiously predicting 
a Broncos victory. As far as a score, you'll have to wait for the article tomorrow and see what everyone else is predicting at MHH2. Yeah, let me say it's only disappointing to me, and this is my opinion. You know, feel free to disagree, anyone, Chad included. It's only disappointing watching Drew Locke play this year because of the turnovers, because he hasn't been able to overcome that fatal flaw. He's actually made some pretty nice passes, though, coming in cold off the bench, not having the first team reps in practice with the starters, not having any time to prepare, knowing he's going to be in the game. He came in and, and threw some tight passes and, and really closed windows. He threw that nice back shoulder, I guess you can call it, to Tim Patrick. He, he's gives the Broncos an element that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't give them. So I think he's done a little good too, but the, the turnovers are always going to be what's writing his football obituary. Uh, indeed, indeed. All right, we'll take this last one from Pete, and then we're going to go ahead and dip on out of here a little bit early, guys. Pete Middleton, appreciate you, brother. He says, as a big supporter of Cushenberry, Zach, what do you think happens to his position post-2021? I think it ends. It, it a lot depends on how he finishes twenty twenty one. How he finishes this year, um, not good that he end up on the list, but that's not like a torn ACL. It shouldn't impact him beyond just a week or so. Uh, fortunately, and he's been vaccinated, the, by the way. So yeah, he could still test out and play theoretically on Sunday, but it's not a long term issue. I think he's replaceable. I wouldn't. I'm not ready to die on the Cushionberry Hill. I think the Broncos could maybe have an eye on upgrading at center, but he's done some good as well. And if they want to retain Mike Munchak, it depends on how how he feels as well, Chad. If he's still mm-hmm. around in the next regime, if he has his input, how he feels about Cushionberry, we don't really know. But I think they might uh, look to upgrade on that spot, depending on the quarterback too, as well. I, he just has to get stronger, man. When you go up, you know, it's like you hear this talked about if you listen to the morning show, Broncos for Breakfast by Nick and Scott, and it's a trope that's absolutely true. You go back and look at Denver's losses this year to a to a game, it's against teams that manhandle them in the trenches. One of the reasons for that is Lloyd Cushenberry's kind of lack of strength at the point of attack, but he's so brainy and he's so uh, athletic. So if he could just find a way to somehow strengthen that core, and I'm talking to Mike Munchak here, I'm talking to the strength staff, everybody, just figure out how to get that dude stronger at the point of attack. Uh, I could see him being a very good long-term center, and he's still very, very young. Um, but D'Angelis, thank you, my my dog, for the uh, stars. Really appreciate that. Merry Christmas to you. And then we got one from the Queen, and then we're out of here. Uh, she says, thank you, Christy, by the way, we have to beat the Raiders. I don't care. Yes. Right. IDCs, I don't care. Right. I mean, yeah. my syntax, I struggle. I struggle with these things. Yeah. They got to snap the streak. And uh, even if playoffs kissed the Broncos bye bye last week, break that ignominious three game losing streak. It's one thing to be the, you know, doormat of arguably the best one or two teams in the league for the last five years in the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it still hurts, but. The Raiders three in a row in a row. Come on now. Time to turn that ship around. Getting swept by Rich Basaccia, whose Ooh. name is always fun to say. I mean, that would be a blight on Fangio's resume. All right, guys. We're gonna get on out of here. You guys have very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We really appreciate each and every one of you. You've made 2021 a phenomenal year for us. Even better than last year. I'll disagree with Vic that Simmons has been better this year. But I will agree that this year has been better for us thanks to you guys. So much love, much respect. Enjoy your families. Be safe if you have to travel. And then we'll see you on Sunday. Um, 
and while Zach does the rundown, I'll, I'll see how we finished on Facebook. Yeah, I want to echo what Chad said. Merry Christmas, guys. Happy holidays. And we all look forward to a, a new year and a new year in Broncos football as well. I think it's going to be exciting either way what happens in January and beyond. So there's that to look forward to. In the meantime, guys, follow us on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can follow the main account on Twitter for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, transactions, and more at Mile High Huddle. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you haven't, go to huddleuppod.com right now and get yourself a dad hat, get yourself a hoodie, get yourself a beanie right there at the pop-up shop, huddleuppod.com. Also, facebook.com slash huddle. Hit that big blue button. Become a supporter today. Three exclusive shows at your fingertips. Broncos Book Club, Trickle Zone, and Kelberman's Corner each and every week. Five bucks a month worth every penny. I promise you that. And facebook.com slash Pod. Follow that page. But if you haven't, guys, please do this. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. If you can't do any of those things, though, we totally get it, totally understand. Do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. You know, those five-star ratings, huge for us on Apple Podcasts. And I realized recently it's quite irritating. But because our podcast... Zach has an RSS redirect. Our actual total cumulative number of reviews, which is a, is a metric that also informs the, the algorithm on Apple Podcasts, whether or not this is a pod to put in front of other people and whatnot. So our total number of, of podcast uh, reviews is less. It shows less than it actually is because we have a whole bunch on our Spreaker uh which is where we host our site or, or, or our podcast on that Apple pod. Uh, it, it's got like 50 reviews or whatever. And then because we're on a network, because we're on blue wire and it redirects, it separates those ones. And so we actually have well over 400 reviews and we're hovering somewhere around like 4.8 on the five star scale right now, which is great. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. But that one thing, man, oh, it just bugs me. And I wish there was a way to unify them. Pretty sure there isn't, but guys shout out to, the following superstar supporters on Facebook tonight. Thank you, Michael. Very generous of you, brother. Appreciate you. Colby at number two. <clears throat> pardon me. Shane Daniels at three. Pete Middleton at four. Andrew Baker, Jeremiah, GLP, Lando, call me, Calrissian Lee, George Fox, DeAngelis Jones, Travis Tarbox, and David Vasquez. Much love. Merry Christmas. Be good. Happy holidays. Count your blessings. See you Sunday. Take care, and as always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.